Courtney's not here, so it means we can talk about as much perverted stuff as we want. Exactly. Well, we usually yeah. do. We just don't get the benefit of watching her die a little inside every time. Uh, it, it also receives rave reviews online. It's heralded with much aplomb every time that we are sans <laughs> estrogen on this show. Probably because we're twice as dumb. Are you referring to her breasts only? Is that the yeah. only asset you think she brings to the table? All I know is that she went to a restaurant tonight and she knew that it would upset me for her to be at this restaurant before I got back to this restaurant. And she had the audacity literally three minutes ago to send me a picture of her entree. And I don't know if we're friends anymore. I mean, well, we've shit. always had audacity. That's what we've been recording with for the oh, entirety of this show's run. Also, oh, I'm him. joking He's got because the fancy she's expensive equipment. Yeah. Hardly. Um, <laughs> also, I'm going to take that back before she hears it because she's going to be making me steak later this week, and I don't want to. I don't want to take that off the table for myself. Jeez, yeah. Like, wait a minute. I forgot. So what, she's cooking me food. No, no, no. We're friends still. We're friends. What still. happened to the just chicken diet? Fuck it, man. <laughs> oh, okay. So you'll only eat animals that you'll penetrate. <laughs> I'll say the same thing I told your father. I'm sure they told your father, get a job, get a job sir. sir? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> on the on the subject of bovine hot beef injections, uh, do you know what you call an extremely randy collection of bulls? I, I, I don't. Beef stroganoff. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. I'm surprised that we're not beef stroganoff right now. Uh, we are a sausage uh, fest. I'm about to make you very upset, though, John, because the second best thing that happened to me today, after the air conditioning finally coming on, is that I had a famous bowl for dinner. Are you fucking kidding me right no, now? No, I'm not. I, I oh. absolutely, and a pair of bickets. Was it as uh, as great as you remember it being? Oh, I don't relish the diarrhea it's going to give me, but the taste was just delicious on my palate. I'm going to go ahead and fast forward and spoiler it for you. It's not great, but it is no. worth it. You know, the the thing I love about the famous bull is there is a beautiful degree of symmetry to both the consumption and its expulsion from my body as it looks exactly the same going in uh, as it does coming out. Patton Oswald didn't under or oversell it. You no. know, he 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 described it pretty well. Speaking it of Patton Oswald tears. too, um Sandman's fucking fantastic. I thank you for not Oh, sorry. Spoilers. Uh <laughs> God Pat damn it. I, mean, I don't think spoiler like Pat Oswald is on the character list. You yeah, can he's, he's run literally with it. listed. It was cool to see his introduction because I'm halfway through the show myself, but I know how certain characters were cast and used now, and it was really cool from the, the involved prior a, spoiler. Uh, leather couch. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, yep. Only only couches. Yeah. Um only leather. Finest. No pleather. The Shay's Lounge, in fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But anyway. Glad that you have air conditioning again. You and me both. Uh, oh, I have weeks? not been a real human for over a week and a half now, and it's it's not fun. Two weeks, right? Ten days, yeah. Jesus, <sighs> fuck. It, it's exquisitely excruciating, but I'm, I'm going to try to be 100% human. I told Michael before we started rolling that I'm on the verge of this either being a really phenomenal episode or being just a wet fart. And I can't determine which it's going to be until we start talking. 
the beauty the well, beautiful I've... thing about it is we're gonna see the same downloads regardless so <laughs> wow <laughs> Woo! ever the optimist <laughs> <laughs> I literally was having to describe to somebody at the bar the other night what optimistic nihilism was, and I feel like Michael kind of just did the same spiel that I gave them. <laughs> oh, I'm a proponent of optimistic nihilism. Sometimes Fuck good, it. sometimes shit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or optometristic decatheterism, uh, if we're going to go with a Michaelism for the evening. I was going to say, it's one of yeah. my more recent favorite off-air Mikeisms. <laughs> Decatheterism. Decatheterism. I'm a decatheterist, like, actually. For ah. for our handful of listeners, unfortunately, <laughs> the best Michaels never make it on to a mic. They never make it from a mic either, but you know, neither here I, nor there. How meta. <laughs> Bless you. Well, but on the subject of wet farts by the eternal behold. behold? It's the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. I'm and we're <laughs> Good call. <laughs> I was going to say, we're, we're, we're down the most popular co-host this evening True. because I was too busy, you know, fondling a repair person this evening to you, try to make sure that I could sleep in peace again. Well, Your you know, reason you had was, to get yeah. a discount. How else could you pay for that repair, you know? Mm-hmm. Sweet, sweet, tasty repair. <laughs> Repair me, Daddy. Yes. So I don't know how much equipment I had to get in and out of my mouth this evening in order for everything to function the way that it should, but I'm glad that's done. I could have sex again. <laughs> Is that like seconds? <laughs> just based so on what about second? <laughs> <laughs> what about second sex? Uh, just based on your description, just the words that you used. It did ah. it for me. I'm I'm okay. aroused. I'm, I could well, go. Firstly, could, could... it's not second sex. It's the second coming. And it was prophesied. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I feel like a real silly sack of shit. You uh, should. <laughs> I'm waiting for the lightning to strike me. It's coming. It smite yet. me, almighty oh, smiter. Thank you, Mr. Carey. <laughs> <sighs> but uh, for those of you, and, and uh, apropos, since we're speaking of uh, liars and, and liars, what we typically do on this show is we like to delve into random esoterica, decatheterize it, and in the course <laughs> oh, of no. doing so, we like to lie about the subject slightly. Yes. Just to Just squirt here and there, if we can. But uh, even if we don't ferret out what the lies are, because that is the goal of the show, we will tell you what we fibbed about at the end of the episode so that you don't leave disinformed. Because heaven help us, we have enough of those in the great country of America right now. Yeah, you are correct, Shane. Uh, the three of us sometimes are indeed squirters. Indeed. I got nothing else. <laughs> you know, the perks of an enlarged prostate is is that you uh, <laughs> life is like an enlarged prostate. You never know what you're gonna get. Sometimes you piss, sometimes you don't. Sometimes good, sometimes shit. <laughs> Occasionally together. But uh I'm I'm really excited about this uh episode this evening because we're going to be delving into a topic that I've admittedly flirted with for a while over the course of our building up to our Stephen King oeuvre, our lengthy discussions about his uh, approach to writing and how he comes up with characters and concepts. 
This evening, we are going to be discussing the Stanley Hotel. Oh. And it's oh. Michael seems less than impressed after all He's that. He's trying like, to remember what the Stanley is. Yeah. Okay. Well, just give me a moment and I'll get around to okay, it. But cool. uh, on the record, I will say we have six lies this evening, gentlemen, and be as slappy as you would like because uh, the subject warrants it. Excellent. Oh, no. <laughs> oh god! You're gonna break it his, again. He's slapping his face with his mic. Careful with looks, your boomstick, there, brother. And it looks so phallic. It always has. I, your that's... little xenomorph dick there is one of my favorite setups. <laughs> I will oh, say, no, I, get... I pictured it lacks like the mouth. It fucking the head opens and another tinier dick comes out. You know the, the stupid, <laughs> <laughs> the stupid shit that I've bought lately. It wouldn't surprise me if, like, a future version of myself, like, teleported here and they're like, hey, by the way, in eight months from now, there's going to be a bad dragon version of your RE20 mic and you're going to buy it as a joke, but then you're going to start using it and you're going to realize, holy shit, you really like that inside yourself and it's really going to tandem down. It's not going to be a bright period in your life. It's a slippery slope. (laughs) It will be slippery. (laughs) It's the period that begins the sentence. (laughs) (laughs) speaking of lipstick microphones here we go are you are you boys ready yes all right did i mention there are six lies this evening you did yes okay all right i just want to make sure yeah my brain may or may not be with me through the course of this presentation same yes (laughs) but my brain isn't with you yes where where is it twist it belongs in a museum. Do I need to put it on a milk carton somewhere? What the hell's happening? Have you seen this brain? Oh, wait. My brain's back on that coffee uh, urn back there, as I've mentioned previously. <laughs> okay. In the horror genre, and I will emphasize that because everyone else on this show can't say that word <laughs> and articulate it in a way that doesn't offend somebody. What a uh, horrible thing to do. Indeed. But in the horror that. genre... There are few tropes which outweigh the vast array of tales surrounding hauntings, be that homes, hotels, bars, bordellos, manors, mausoleums, mausoleums for Michael, or perhaps even the dilapidated former quarters of one Frank Cotton. Come to daddy. (laughs) Vortexes where apparitions appear, beckoning passersby to join them in the beyond, are legion in the realms of fiction and folklore. Michael, you're going to have to correct me on this one if I tell a lie, but from Henry James' The Turn of the Screw to Shirley Jackson's The Haunting of Hill House and on to more modern fare like Michael's previously mentioned House of Leaves by Mark Danielewski or Heart-Shaped Box by Joe Hill or filmic iterations Courtney discussed in a prior episode like uh, Juon or The Grudge Human fascination with the afterlife and its earthbound denizens is exceptionally well documented. In point of fact, ghost hunting is currently counted amongst the apex American pastimes. If our violinist is any evidence no. of this, oh, yeah, really, is that, is that bullshit? It's a, pa- it's like a a popular a, pastime. Yeah, celebrated American pastime. If you don't know the number of places, even in this great state, and I say that loosely, that you can go on like a a ghost hunting tour, like Jerome is riddled with them. That's true. No, you're right. You're right. 
I've been. I've actually stayed in that air quotes haunted hotel. Yeah. Um, well, what, I wandered around that? it at 2 a.m. Blackout, drunk, yelling for the ghosts. So then, how do you know you? Oh, you had someone tell tell you? I, that, yes, that it you wasn't just me alone. It was I was with my fiance and everything, and they told one, me. one might say <laughs> that yes. when you're blackout drunk, you're being haunted by your sober self. Holy shit. That was too real for this. <laughs> we just got super serious right now. <laughs> and the grammatical implications are staggering. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, I can't handle this right you now. You see what happens, Shane? But by I the do. way, by, by the way, this is around the time we used to record when we first started doing this. When we got mm-hmm. to Michael's Yo, we're going to be super slappy. Yeah. <laughs> so. Return to form. This is why I said this is going to be either ecstasy or <laughs> from the penthouse to the outhouse in 4.2 seconds. <laughs> out, out of all the drugs, but, Shane, would you? Uh, no, never mind. Okay. Ask. Do it. You won't. I was trying to like, what, what drug would you take? Like, like, let's say there's a magic amount of money where you're like a blanket amount. It's like. For $1 million, Shane does one drug that he gets to choose. Everyone just gets to watch you take this drug. Like, what drug would you take? I mean, obviously DMT. Would you actually? Would DMT be your top choice? Joe Rogan has told me there's no other way to fly. <laughs> oh, I thought I thought you were on the Kratom. Um... <laughs> By the way, uh, if you haven't had Buffalo Trace whiskey, it is delectable. And my beard smells like it often. He doesn't drink. He just coats his beard in it. Uh-huh. Actually, no, there not, is a, a uh, yeah, there's a beard wash that is scented like oh. the you know bourbon barrel, and uh, <laughs> it is a Buffalo Trace sponsored beard wash, yeah. and I'm in love with it. That he actually wants... does sound pretty cool. Oh, it's great. He wants to smell his age, not drink like his age. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to be like the cask that the material is fermented in, just bloated and <laughs> full of weird fluids. Bless this mess. <laughs> Indeed. So, call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. Ghost stories are rich ore, often mined by creative minds for fictional fare. And with that said, yes, diagram that sentence, Michael. Good luck. I was agreeing with it. Good. I'll I processed it. it. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, well, there is one spectral parable in particular standing at the pinnacle of penned narratives, a radiant representation of imagination, the apotheosis of all ghost stories, if you will, Mm. Stephen King's The Shining. King's personification of a malefic mansion in the Colorado Rockies often stands atop the list of supernatural fiction for readers and writers alike, and for good reason. Between King's book, which sold over half a million copies, Kubrick's film, which grossed $47 million at the box office, and the later TV miniseries and, of course, uh, sequels, the story has easily ensnared the hearts and minds of millions with its unnerving imagery, debauched denizens, and nuanced descent into madness. Um, did yes, you say it only did. Half a million? <laughs> half a million. Books are not what you think they are, my friend. I mean, just in general, from the from when it published to today. Uh, in the source that I looked up, they said it has sold over half a million copies. Wow, so weird. You uh, have you looked at the New York Times bestseller lists? 
No, but... So, do you have a reasonable approximation for what a typical bestseller moves? Particularly no. in the current market. I guess that's a, that's well, a fair wonder... point, but... Like, hold, just... hold the fuck on for a second, because let's see, like... Because I'm thinking, I'm even thinking of something that like requires a lot more entry to get into video games. Like there uh-huh. will be video games that typically sell several million. Just... Yeah, but that's a video game. It's not well, a book. Uh, yeah, but we're talking about like a great best-selling okay. novel. If so... you want to talk about an indictment of Americans as consumers, like who <sighs> guess, reads yeah, books, Michael? Nerds. They, they um, did back in the seventies when they had nothing else better to do other than disco. So I, I looked this up just for context because I feel like this meets mm-hmm. meets us both in the middle or kind of in the middle here. Deathly Hallows shattered sales records upon release, surpassing marks set by previous titles in the series. Holds mm-hmm. the Guinness record for most novels sold within twenty four hours of release, with eight point three million sold uh, in the U.S. So, what I I so I'm not lying. No, no, I know something. I know something. You can look this up as you know whether or not you consider that to be criminal. But yes, where where I looked at, I'm saying that Michael's not crazy. Your source, like no, we're all. Uh, But that's also Harry Potter's kind of a phenomena versus standard, you know, (laughs) fictional fare. That's what I was trying to kind of say. Is that like yes. For the Did fact you... that, like, The Shining is, let's call it, like, a cult classic. Yeah. Half a million in book sales is a lot. Com- you know, compared uh-huh. and... to these juggernaut franchises, you know. And all too often, people more associate it with the film than they do the book. I guess that's fair. That is a fair point. Yeah, um, I got Michael to watch that... a movie. Mm-hmm. Speaking of J.K. Rowling, did you hear that she came out with a new book recently? I don't like, fucking two care. days ago? It's like uh it's a it's a book about a YouTuber that uh is a transphobe and gets uh, and laments the fact that they're getting canceled. Are you so joking? pretty much Are you no, joking? That's I'm fucking not. real. And it's 600 pages more than Dune. It's it's over a thousand pages long? Yes. Yeah. It came out like a couple days ago. Is the it metaphysical getting... musings of intolerance. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. we're getting off topic here. That, that's all I, I, that's, that's all I wanted to allowed. say. It's allowed. Because that was the one description, the one comparison was that it was 600 pages I more than Dune. And I felt like you fucking, two would understand that. I cannot fucking believe this shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is hurting Twitter kind of blew up for a bit um, because of it. Oh my How delightful. God. Oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. From NPR seven hours ago. Exactly. You just... <laughs> J.K. Rowling's new book is about a transphobic character getting doxxed. Good. I don't a thousand pages him. of that somehow. When I heard that, I immediately thought of like Atlas Shrugged. Like, let me save you nine eighty. <laughs> Fuck that person in twenty in twenty pages. <laughs> Fuck that noise. Done. I mean, I could see a gross description of fucking that person for twenty pages. That... Oh no, thanks. Yes. <laughs> Okay. Anyway. Anyway, sorry. I just another, wanted to mention that. Back yeah, to, it's a Blake Crouch book rearing its ugly head again. Oh, God. The closets. Back to haunted oh. things, not haunted people. <laughs> <laughs> I haunt hotels, not tragedies. But, I haunt uh, my whole family. Honesty. Anyway. It is a tale 
so embedded in the American pop culture consciousness that many overlook, pun intended, the real-world origins of King's story. Uh, apparently, our Lord and Savior was inspired to concoct the sordid story of the Overlook Hotel and its myriad manifestations by another infamous historically haunted hotel, the Stanley Hotel in Estes Park, Colorado. Stanley's imposing, picturesque facade radiates a sense of menace from the austere white paint, arched, oracular windows, and solitary visage against its serene, verdant surroundings. The structure itself stands as a testament to the unnatural imposing upon the pastoral, a metaphor for man's ravaging of natural beauty, and thus its impact on one of America's most prolific wordsmiths is easily understandable. If you want to look up some pictures of the Stanley Hotel, if you've not seen it, it's uh, it's worth saying. Have you seen it, Michael? Nope. John has certainly seen it, and I he has got it. a DVD to prove it. Yeah. Which we'll get to later on. But uh, what could conceivably have scarred the fabled Stanley's psyche? Oh. What, <laughs> pardon me, Michael, spiritual Sorry. energy so pervades the space as to inject dread in those who simply look on it? That's Chuck Testa. Indeed, <laughs> Chuck Testa. <laughs> I've got the most popular mountain, Colorado. <laughs> Disgusting. Anyway, the Stanley is nestled amongst the stony foothills of the Colorado Rockies, much like the Overlook, uh, near the quaint tourist town of Estes Park, in point of fact precipitating the city's existence. The hotel itself was birthed while its founder, Freeland Oscar Stanley, was, ironically, near death. In 1903, the 54-year-old inventor of dry plate photography, the Hair Clipper, the Stanley steam engine, and eventually the infamous rocket racer, was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Stanley Ooh. steam engine? You have never heard of the Stanley steam engine? No, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you said to be slappy, so I'm slapping that engine. Indeed. Yes, uh, he invented the Stanley steam <laughs> wow. engine. That's yeah. actually the only one that I would believe completely. Um, mm -hmm. Hair clippers? Mm-hmm. Huh. No, that's bullshit. That okay. was uh, that was patented by George H. Coates. In point of fact, okay. yeah, you fucking idiot. Yeah, I'm like I I, I study up on patent law. Like it's obviously. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's uh, one they, of my few enjoyments. They were patented in 1903 in when the hotel was founded. So I figured I would just give it a whirl there. It was still patented that late. How do uh -huh. people? Did they just use blades to cut? Like I just. N not scissors, like a motorized hair clipper. Oh, a <laughs> you fucking dolt. idiot. What <laughs> the fuck? Man. I'm such a Now I'm idiot. just a gog. I've heard everything. All right, I give up. They hadn't invented scissors until 1903? What the how hell? How are they supposed to learn how to read if they can't fit in the building? Uh, I mean, I know the island of Lesbos has been around a lot longer than that. And... I don't think that's how it's pronounced, Michael. <laughs> how would we have ever gotten John Mayer's paper dolls if we hadn't known about scissors? Exactly. Scissor me timbers. <laughs> I don't know if he listens to this show. He probably doesn't. But uh, one of my coworkers, best friends. Uh, twice removed. Twice removed. He's a really nice guy. Super eccentric, but he loves John Mayer. 
and he always uh, and Margot for that matter, and he always nerds out when mm-hmm. he's at the bar. Uh, we we exchanged numbers, and I made some joke to him because he's already kind of drunk in this night, and I was like cashing him out, um, and I was like. Hey, like, here's my number. Like, I texted him and I said, Hey, this is John, not Mayor. But if you need to pretend that it's John Mayor to impress someone that you're near, I'll play along. Here's dot, my dot, 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 dot. <laughs> so, literally, the next night I'm at work and I get a text and, like, Hey, what was it like writing Your Body is a Wonderland? Like, do you ever get sick playing it? And I was like, you know, and I, I I responded within five minutes. That I was like, Vanessa Carlton's a beautiful woman. <laughs> yeah, I said I said at this point, it just reminds me of all the royalty checks. I'd play it twice a night if I could. <laughs> I mean, you can technically just bring it back a anyway. reprise, if you will. Uh, uh, caprese, caprese. I did have one of those fairly recently. Ooh, uh, there. I never thought I'd be a pasta salad guy, but I've had a caprese pasta salad that was the best thing I've ever had in my entire life, and I'd have it every day if I could. Anyway. I thought you were a tosta salad guy, not a pasta salad guy, but... Uh, it does both. <laughs> it is 2022. That's what we're doing these days. In any event, back to Mr. <laughs> Stanley. Because it was believed at the time that fresh air would help to slow the onset of the disease, that being tuberculosis, for a reminder, or more realistically, just provide a pleasant backdrop for one's remaining days, Freelin, affectionately known as F.O. by his friends, and his wife, Flora, were sent to Colorado. First to Denver, and then on the suggestion of his doctor, to the then-wild outpost of Estes Park. Now, F.O. and Flora, however, were each accustomed to a different lifestyle than what Estes Park could offer at the time. Consequently, they built what they deemed appropriate accommodations for themselves, a 100-room East Coast colonial-style manor house. A two-thirds scaled-down second lodge was finished a year later. (laughs) No, really? Yes. (laughs) So officially opening in 1909, the manor acted as a home away from home where the Stanleys could host friends and other guests on an invite-only basis. A hot monde at the time. History has not noted whether a garden hermit was kept on the premises, but we can dream, can't we? Yes. Designed to be top of the line for 1909, the lavish domicile included electric lights, telephones, an Otis elevator, ensuite bathrooms, as well as a staff of uniformed servants. The Stanley even boasted a fleet of steam-powered automobiles, one of which has been on display in the hotel lobby for decades. Really? What kind of vehicle is it? That's it is a steam-powered it's a automobile. <laughs> it's a literal fucking train. Ah, uh, they don't got a Lambo? <laughs> I mean... Not to the moon. Certainly not then. <laughs> Their hands, however, we can reassess later. Is it because they're too poor? <laughs> yeah. I like that John has never heard of a steam engine. I wasn't around during that time, Shane. I don't have... Well, uh, obviously, <laughs> I have used them frequently, and they were a very effective mode of transport yeah, and far for... less problematic for the environment. Yeah, I'm not going to have you sit here and make fun of me because they're nostalgic for you, and I don't have a frame of reference. Uh-huh. Well, <laughs> I'll mean, put some the... <laughs> steam in your stride in a moment. Oh. What are you, a bad dragon? Uh... <laughs> I'm a bad drag queen, but that's entirely different. <laughs> J.K. Rowling's on the line. Sorry. 
fuck. <laughs> so, uh, the property even possessed an oddity which would inspire another work of fiction in the future, a dedicated pet cemetery. Bullshit. Not bullshit. They actually had a pet cemetery. Huh. And it is the foundation of the tale. Is it? Is it really? It is. This motherfucker gets Shining and Pet Cemetery off one one thing. One location, one trip, wow. uh, with a lot of cigarettes and some bad dreams, which we will discuss later. Well, he's on. still a boozer then too, so he's probably like fucking just blacked out almost every night too. Very likely. Yeah. Uh, art informs life, and life informs art. Strangely enough, so they say. Uh, Michael's going to be very aroused here. John Philip Sousa. The renowned former U.S. military composer directed the band at the opening of the home. Really? No. Yes, for real. Huh. His autograph on the bottom of Flora's piano, which Sousa tuned himself, was mistaken for graffiti by another tuner in the 1990s and was buffed out. Oh, no. Catastrophe. That's terrible. I know. Uh, <laughs> Harry Houdini famously performed in their ornate concert hall. In fact, the trapdoor he used for his famous escape act still exists on the stage. The Stanley also hosted an array of other famous guests, including the unsinkable Molly Brown, Theodore Roosevelt, Mary Curie, the Emperor and Empress of Japan, and a variety of Hollywood personalities. The Empress and Emperor of Japan? Yes, for reals. Huh. I figured Courtney would be very excited by that. She's screaming at the, Just at like the my speakers Japanese right now. Yeah. Oh, senpai. <laughs> Is that a ghost? Oh, my. I like I've made them British. I don't know why. You, Is that Jonah and Courtney? Seems like it. <laughs> The locale, it should be noted, was far from the quote-unquote true wilderness of the region. Rocky Mountain National Park wouldn't even be recognized until 1915, and Estes Park wouldn't even officially become a town until 1917. So the house being established in 1909, there was a decent amount of time in between where it was just the Stanleys hanging out up here with their friends and uh, folkloric acquaintances. Yeah. But, uh... The town would, of course, develop as a tiny hamlet and then eventually into a municipality and owes its development to symbiosis with Stanley and his sprawling estate. But even more fantastically, F.O. defied expectations, gained weight, and lived through the summer. Sold on the rejuvenating powers of his mountain retreat, he and Flora planned to return to the town every summer until the day he died. That day, as it would stand, was far further into the future than initially anticipated. So much so that by 1930, F.O. actually sold the building to a corporation angling to transform the property into a hotel proper. He, he lived with tuberculosis for that long? Yep. Jesus. Even better, so we'll go further along here for context, by 1926... Quite removed from when he was diagnosed, uh, Flora Stanley's eyesight had so dramatically deteriorated that she was uncomfortable in places that she didn't know readily. 
And although the Stanleys had continued to travel between Newton and Estes Park, Freeland began to think of retiring from public life and thus selling the hotel. Unfortunately, Flora died soon after suffering a stroke at Rockside in 1939. So she actually preceded him into the afterlife, despite the fact that he had been living with tuberculosis since 1903. Wow. Freeland, of course... Uh, enjoying the run of luck, returned to Estes Park for the following summer, maintaining an inconspicuous presence there. And then, on October 2nd, 1940, shortly after returning to Newton, F.O. himself finally passed away of heart failure at the age of 91, which Jeez. is absolutely staggering, considering that he had been, for all intents and purposes, condemned to death at the start of the century. Wow. Nuts. Impressive. That's some life goals right there. Uh, Doc Holiday, eat your heart out. <laughs> well, you're a daisy not... if you do. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Ringo is an educated man, it appears. Oh, but I need to rewatch. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a great movie. Uh, it it did not make the top fifty list, but it's it's still in consideration. So. With the nearby National Park still growing, the success of the Stanley as a hotel, unfortunately, was minimal. Readers of King's Before the Play, which is the lost prologue to The Shining, will notice many simulacra with actual events in the story proper. The road to the hotel, of course, was in constant need of costly maintenance, and with upkeep of the facilities, landscaping bills, a second well, as well as an added health room, obliterated any possible profits for the first owners, Robert Rutherford and Merrill Lance of the Belk Corporation, and thus they quickly sold the property again to Crest Hotels in 1973. Now, reckoning businesses 30 years is a pretty good jaunt, but they were constantly hemorrhaging money during that time frame. Mm, right. After multiple sales and attempts at a revival, the property was finally sold to entrepreneur John Cullen of the Grand Heritage Hotel Group in the mid-90s. You're squinting at me, Michael. What's going John on? John Cullen. Sorry, hey. I was just thinking Tom Cullen. Uh, that may be where the name emanated from, but no. He was in the 70s. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But he did, you know, re release the book in the 90s. So. Oz, yes, he did. M O N. That spells hotel <laughs> budget suites uh so the budgets were so stretched by the time that they sold in 1990 that the turndown service involved the topmost duvet from the room's bed being placed on nails across the window as the owners could no longer afford drapes jeez and that's actually, dire that's times real yep the property could have continued that way, a decaying vision of opulence, if it wasn't for an assist from one Stephen King. Uh, the on-site pet cemetery, as we've noted, uh, did spark King uh, as the premise for pet cemetery later on. But in late September of 1974, King and his wife Tabitha, bless you, uh, spent a night at the Stanley. He recounts the experience thusly on his website. We were the only guests, as it turned out. The following day, they were going to close the place down for the winter. It's a horrible Stephen King impression, uh, it's I actually know. actually fucking it's like, spot is that what on. He but... sounds like? 
That is what he sounds like. I listened to his Sadly. entire audiobook for On Writing. That's mm-hmm. Stephen King. That's a yeah. spot on Stephen King. Jeez. Wandering through its corridors, I thought it seemed perfect, maybe the archetypical setting for a ghost story. That night, I dreamed of my three-year-old son running through the corridors, looking back over his shoulder, eyes wide, screaming. He was being chased by a fire hose. I woke up with a tremendous jerk sweating all over. How tawdry. Uh, Within an inch of falling out of the bed. I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair looking out of the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. Well, Must be you. fucking nice to be confident. You know? Yeah, most certainly. Shit. King stayed in the book's infamous Room 217, or 217, if you will, which morphed into Room 237 for Kubrick's adaptation. Mm-hmm. Visitors Did to they the ever stand- say why they he changed it. I if can't you would, remember. if you would like to watch, there is a documentary okay, called Room Two Three Seven, and they specifically okay. go into a lot of suspicions about why Kubrick elected to change it. There is a lot of discussion about the moon landing and uh, any wealth <laughs> okay. of other bizarre conspiracies. It's a fascinating documentary, though, mm-hmm. well worth exploring. Uh, they go through how he set up shots in particular and would constantly change everything that was in the background in order to make it make sense for him. But there's also stuff that is then incongruous, particularly when Jack is trapped in the food storage. You'll notice that the tang moves very suspiciously uh, from one side of the thing to the other so that it's always constantly in shot. The coffee's there as well. And some material that has a, a Native American head and headdress in it which they're intended to speak to the fact that the mistreatment of Native Americans in the country was something that he was trying to point to specifically oh, with the way that I he was uh, presenting things in the talk. movie. Yeah. Oh, it's I'll a fascinating one. I have it if you would like to borrow it. It's, it's Ooh, wonderful. I, I think they also have it on AMC+. I was going to say, I think, I think I've seen it on one of the streamables, but I'll let you know. Because hmm. that's not the only like definitive um, documentary on that, right? Uh, I saw one on The Shining. Oh, then they they have a documentary ago. that was made while they were shooting. That's a uh, it's existential stuff or uh, uh, superstitious stuff hmm. on the DVD, Blu-ray hmm. combo. Okay, from Target. Oh, from tar- as opposed to Walmart. From tar- okay. tar- Target. No Target. one buys from Walmart. Not even In any event, <laughs> so you can purchase the. Uh, number plates for room 217 to hang in your home if you stay at the Stanley as well, if you want to take a little bit of ephemera with you. So King then published The Shining in 1977 to great acclaim, following in the footsteps of Carrie and Christine. Uh, Strange to think that was his third book. It's baffling. I agree. Also, because what what was in between? Because Carrie was the first. Salem's Lot. Lot. I still haven't fucking read Salem's Lot. Oh, you should be chastised and strongly. I've done, and I've done Tower and, and that, so... I, I've you technically haven't done the Tower if you haven't read Salem's Lot. I I know, I know. That's, yeah. that's some oof from me as well, then. Yeah, I, I've been wagging my finger at myself for a lot of this stuff as well, but it's okay. okay. Talisman will put you off of being a completionist for the Dark Tower, I also, guarantee it. I can feel I'm that we're one... I can feel that we're wanting to acknowledge it and say it. 
I kind of miss the the lady that was sitting in the audience at Fan Fusion uh, because right now she would be screaming it to the front of the stage just like she did the entire time. Mm-hmm. So if she listens still to the show, which I highly doubt, <laughs> hello and yes, we are reading the Dark Tower. <laughs> May, a, one of the reasons perhaps she wouldn't be listening is that you are constantly referring to her as that lady from Fan Fusion. Yeah, I, I mean that's name. fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I dare you to say your name. I doubled it. What name. color was it? Which? <laughs> All right. Know. Yeah. <laughs> when one so, sense diminishes, uh, <laughs> you smell different. <laughs> so the book, of course, would be adapted into a feature film by Stanley Kubrick in 1980. Though King. Unhappy with Kubrick's interpretation of his iconic work, wanted to invest in a cinematic do-over, staged, appropriately, at the Stanley Hotel, which Michael may or may not know based on the look on his face. Mm, Of course, the owner, not Tom Cullen, but the Culligan man, uh, did agree, and production trucks rolled in, bringing with them the McGregor ballroom stage, wallpaper, and heavy upholstered furniture, which still decorates the hotel today. Say what you will about the miniseries itself, and I know that John and I both have a warm place in our heart for it. I love it. There is a wealth to love about it, including its preservation of the Stanley Hotel for posterity. Of course, the subject of King's work and the hotel's rejuvenation brings us to, of course, the most important question of the day and why we're even talking about this thing in the first place. Is the Stanley haunted? Now, guests certainly seem to think so. Throughout the hotel's history, there have been routine reports of ghostly apparitions in the quiet watches of the night. An oft-recounted tale involves one Elizabeth Wilson, who once acted as the chief housekeeper at the Stanley. During an early summer storm on June 25, 1911, Wilson, head chambermaid at the two-year-old hotel, went into room 217 with a lit candle, only to tragically discover there was a leak in the hotel's acetylene lanterns. Her candle ignited the gas, causing a major explosion and destroying about one-tenth of the hotel. As a result, Wilson was put into a coma. She survived? She did eventually regain consciousness and continued to work at the hotel until 1950. Oh. A lot of the stories also... I'm sorry, John, go ahead. Oh, uh, no, I was being insensitive. Go ahead. Oh, fantastic. Ooh, do tell. Mm -hmm. apparently no moving on (laughs) so uh what's even apocryphal to this story is uh, it's noted in many places that the hotel actually paid for her treatment while she was in uh in the hospital convalescing oh yay so bless them cares Uh uh-huh at least they were being decent because this was long before any like consumer or uh employee protection laws or anything like that they didn't have to do a thing most certainly like you yeah. So that's pretty cool. And it uh, might be one of the reasons they were hemorrhaging money, but here's to them for being decent. <laughs> they cared too much. They yeah. just cared too much. It's it's something to it's a lofty goal to aspire to. Mm-hmm. Actually treat your workers with respect and compensate <laughs> them right. about them <laughs> when they're hurt in the performance of their duties. So, according to some guests who have stayed in room 217, not King, mind you, but uh, they claim the maid is still attending to the space in the afterlife. 
Occupants have said they woke up with their room straightened and their suitcases neatly organized. That isn't to say that Elizabeth doesn't have a mischievous side, as guests also report their lights being turned off and on in the suite throughout the duration of their stay as well. This is a theme you will note throughout discussion of the Stanley. Apparently, there's lots of folks that enjoy the strobe effect. But uh, there are also repeated reports of the appearance of an apparition on the fourth floor, loosely resembling none other than Flora Stanley. Bum, With other bum, tales bum. of... <laughs> yes. And other tales of F.O. himself reportedly wandering the halls, most often, as you would expect, in the hotel bar. So, much like Doc Holliday as well, apparently the tuberculosis and the drop have something in common. <laughs> Sightings of Flora usually consist of her playing her piano in the ballroom, and lightly being completely mortified by the fact that they had buffed out Seuss's autograph there. I, you know, <laughs> I would have been just... so upset too if I if I was haunt. Honestly, that would be good reason enough to haunt the place. Like, uh, why'd you buff it? That's uh-huh. great signature. Fuck. Uh, he was obviously not a conservationist, nor a golfer, for that matter. But uh, employees and guests have both reported hearing piano music coming from the room and seeing the keys moving, apparently of their own accord. <gasps> They have obviously never seen Westworld and are unfamiliar with a player piano, but (laughs) we're just going to move on from that. It is worth noting here that none of the three listed as apparitions, neither Elizabeth Wilson nor the Stanleys, actually perished on the property. All of them died elsewhere. Interesting. So, strange credulity here, which uh, naturally, most ghost stories don't have a firm foundation, and we will continue to assert this as we move forward. (laughs) <laughs> Long-time staff attest to at least three other spirits regularly roaming hotel corridors, halls, and rooms. Dubbed Lucy, Paul, and Eddie, none of these mischievously playful personalities make an appearance in the Overlook lore, but are still speculated by many to be eternal guests of the Stanley. Tales often indicate that the concert hall in particular is a hotspot of paranormal activity on the grounds. In it, Paul rumored to have been a tormented and underappreciated cellist, took his own life in the hall following a particularly woeful performance at the annual July 4th soiree. Consequently, any odd experiences in the theater, from equipment failures, falling sandbags, and I'm sure I'm speaking directly to you when I say that, John, uh, flickering lights, or repositioned set dressing, is attributed to Paul's disruptive spirit. Oh, that mischievous Paul again. That damn Just Paul. Just dropping sandbags on people's heads. Dropping them like it's hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul is also believed to flicker flashlights of touring groups and paranormal investigators. Because who wouldn't? It's uh, just so easy. It's so fun. It's like, do the trick. Do the thing. Whoa! Lap dogs of the afterlife. Yes. Beg for a treat, yeah. why don't you? <laughs> <sighs> Lucy also wanders the concert hall, so it's a very popular place, apparently, also Mm. tampering with lights and lifting spirits. Now, I'm pulling this from someone else's account, and it is extraordinarily cheesy, so I try to dress this up as much as I can, but the puns are aplenty, and many of them are not mine for once. Well, I was going to say, if it sounds like they're, you know, frequenting this place, it's a local haunt. She's back on the light switches again. <laughs> so you said lifting spirits? Indeed. 
What, like, like ooh, whiskey? Ooh. Rum? Oh, Gin? Okay. I was <laughs> like, there's three different ways I was going about this. <laughs> so uh, Lucy is a, a source of some consternation for me, and I'll explain why as we move forward here. Uh-oh. Purportedly a billiard girl who frequented the Stanley in the 1930s, Lucy is, if you're not familiar, in the Old West, if they were trying to skate away from calling a place a brothel, they would call it a billiards oh, room. And okay. then you could show up and, you know, play a, a, you know, a little pocket pool with yeah. some of the ladies. This is my billiards room. This is where the balls slam. <laughs> Ooh. You seem to have scratched. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, Lucy, the ball in? sorry, yipes. Uh, so, uh, Lucy is believed <laughs> to have met an unfortunate end at the hotel, and what an unfortunate name for a woman of ill repute as well. <laughs> like no one wants to play with Lucy. You're not going to have a good Aww, time. Um, poor Lucy, She's too loose. Thank you for explaining the joke, Michael. <laughs> I, I desperately needed that. Deconstructive history with Michael Clark. So the reason why they're called Coopers. Anyway. <laughs> Ribbit. Uh, now, Lucy is believed to have met an unfortunate end in the hotel, as I indicated. There is some factual foundation from which this claim originates, as a report exists of a young woman by the name of Claire Welker, who was found dead by asphyxiation in an unoccupied suite on the third floor in 1933. The police investigation couldn't determine whether foul play was involved, as no obvious signs of strangulation were discovered on her body. Now, despite her confounding death in a locked room, the typical Sherlock Holmes scenario, the coroner's report, however, lists her COD as one of Michael's favorites, Death by Misadventure. Oh, no. <laughs> Man, that's pretty fucking rough. When I watched Thousand Ways to Die, that was like every single one. Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's actually one of my favorite. I will actually, I linked it because... Uh, Typically, it's uh, something we derive from the UK, but a death by misadventure, as recorded by coroners on death certificates and associated documents, is one that is primarily attributed to an accident that occurred due to a risk that was taken voluntarily. So, yep. yep. I love that you're in a locked room by yourself. Obviously, you shouldn't have done that. Like, as everybody in a hotel is in a locked room by themselves. <laughs> But uh rookie mistake. Rookie indeed. Mistake. You should have brought some spirits with you yeah. or at least a fire hose. But uh, Ms. Welker's death is often recounted as though she were a guest who aspirated in the hotel restaurant as opposed to someone who died under suspicious circumstances. Shockingly enough, her passing is one of the few documented deaths to have actually occurred on the property. No, uh -oh. I'm not kidding. So, uh, allow me to take some sting out of the episode here. In actuality, as hauntings go, the Stanley is something of a phenomenon. Usually, haunted locations have a history with lots of blood and death, but the Stanley doesn't have that, which often takes people aback, says author and part-time paranormal investigator Richard Estep, who leads ghost tours on the weekends at the Stanley. A vicious little prick. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, they, the guests, want to know how many deaths have occurred here, and it's about as many as other hotels. Not that many. 
in the dictionary under redundant, it says C redundant. So he's taken a page there. But this does not, however, quell rumors of paranormal activity in the hotel, however. The vagaries actually allow for more stories to sprout and flourish unsubstantiated. As evidence of this, there are further claims that another young girl, also named Lucy, was found in the hotel basement peeping at some construction plans. What young child is going to be worried about, you know, architecture? I have mm. no clue. Let me see them blueprints. <laughs> Let me get up and them prints. Easy. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> I want to erect something. <laughs> How do I do it? I don't know. I need the schematic. Stay on target. <laughs> it came from behind? Oh, no. Ah, so, I'm in danger. <laughs> the staff found her and threw her into the cold where she froze to death, much like Jack Torrance before her, and now she haunts the concert hall and basement. Is that that whole is not story. a no? That is not bullshit. That is the most frequently cited story of Lucy. That it is what? a small child. Fascinating. Why would they throw her out because she saw some plans? Like, were they like trying to do some sort of secret evil layer or something? Like, yes. Apparently, oh, no. the the hotel was constructed by individuals who were trying to channel spirit activity into the building. Yeah. Uh-huh. Seriously, that's the only way. I like why I don't understand. Oh no, she saw the blueprints. She knows that there's a slight so, gap between two rooms. <gasps> call Dan Aykroyd. Evo Shandor apparently was the architect who constructed the Stanley Hotel and the girders <laughs> channel spirit activity into the building. And we're going to have a, a gatekeeper and a key master and stay puffed and everything's going to go oh, to no. shit. Are you the key master? <sighs> no, I'm the gatekeeper. Oh. <gasps> Well, who are you going to call? I don't let you talk about people, you know, sucking dick on this show. So, obviously, I am the gatekeeper. Morsh? True. <laughs> All right. So, this particular ghost story, good old little loosey-goosey here, was bolstered by a photograph, which was taken by a guest on the ghost tour, mind you, showing a young girl in a hot pink dress. I can show you this photograph. It is ludicrous. Do you, uh, do you have it right now? I Not right now, right now, but I, I will link it to you oh, later on. Okay. Um, okay. Sorry, it would require a scroll, but uh, no, okay. that's fair. Okay. I, I wasn't sure we'd have takers. In any event, as it so happens, no one on their tour was wearing that sort of attire. And <gasps> furthermore, there were no young girls on the tour or staying at the hotel at the time. This does add further fuel to the fire surrounding Lucy's alleged existence. And still other reports claim she was a runaway or a homeless woman seeking refuge at the hotel. Yeah. Yes, much like people trying to recount a wrestling match in West Virginia, the accounts vary from manifestation to manifestation. But whatever her history, employees do insist that Lucy's presence and distant melodious humming lightens the energy and the mood wherever she lingers. Lucy has been known to actively communicate with and answer questions from staff and parapsychologists via flashlight. Go figure. Despite her story and pre-death connection to the Stanley remaining unclear. The same cannot be said for Eddie, 
And this is going to be John's official favorite ghost in the entirety of human history. I guarantee it. It's because he's made up. There's a lot of shit involved. Because Eddie initially presents himself with a foul odor, or an odoriferous (laughs) emanation, if you were, uh, earning him the moniker of Stinky Man. (laughs) You know what? I'm going to go ahead and say that's true. It is, in fact, true. And John knows what he's doing next. He's going to claim that title back from rip it back from him. But apparently offended by his unofficial title, Eddie switched tactics and began exuding a more pleasant smell. Oh. What's a pleasant yes. smell? I'll consider it. Uh, I, Roses you know. and Cum? lavender. Potpourri. Ooh. Oh. I love me the one of them potpourri. Oh, shit. Chimichurri? Uh, it's oh, one man. of those special potpourris, you know, the fragrant bark of a tree rubbed with some coriander and dried figs. Oh, mm, yes, indeed. Yes. Yes. Excellent year. Potpourri. Yes. Hmm. Mm, yeah. His presence, however, still seems to cause discomfort as he remains the resident prankster and prevert of the hotel, often suspected of stroking hair and kissing the cheeks of the female guests. Someone's got to do it. Ramses according to the visiting psychics and mediums this is purportedly due to a life of hardship pun not intended okay so yes it appears that dear eddie was an incel Oh, no. It keeps happening. Uh, Room 407 is supposedly haunted by Lord Dunraven, who was the original owner of the land prior uh, to F.O. Stanley. Some guests have reported seeing his face in the window, even when the room isn't booked. Can you see how like ridiculously lush these stories are? Obviously founded on fact. Uh, Right, right, right. Next on the list, an oddly affectionate cowpoke is thought to reside in room 428. Often noted as frequenting the room in the dead of night, the chap-clad cowboy apparently likes to sit in the corner chair or pace the floor. He is quite the dilettante young gentleman, of course, as one couple reportedly asked him to leave the room, and he obliged them. I said, I do declare that you need to exit this room. The science, like okay, the science <laughs> okay. of phrenology has proven that. Uh, all right, the, um, is is the Lord Lord guy bullshit? The Lord nope. haunting. There was a dude named Lord Brackenfeather. Brackenfeather, yeah, okay, <laughs> Brackenfeather. It sounded it. It needed to be like thirty percent more British. It was Lord Pumplemoose. Thank you. Near killed her. Bless you. Also, also. Of who? Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, there is no history, of course, to corroborate the gentleman caller cowboy, but there is something to be said for a gentleman who leaves when asked and will tuck a lady in at night. Uh, he apparently oh. also, yes, I missed that sentence. I was so rudely interrupted. Uh, there are other occupants that typically are women that indicate they've been awakened by his kissing their foreheads good night. They're already asleep. Why would you kiss them good night? So they sleep well, harder. <laughs> sleep harder sleep forever oh no but anyway good night anyway it could be roland we don't know uh 
Likely owing to King's related nightmare surrounding the suite, the ghost of a small boy is said to appear outside of room 217, calling out for his nanny. Oh, nanny. Nanny. (laughs) Oh, nanny. Oh, nanny. Nanny, I seem to have soiled my ditties. (laughs) Nanny. A nanny? (laughs) Nanny. You're 30 years old, just go change your pants. No, I don't have to change for anybody. I can continue to do what I want. (laughs) That would be terrifying. I'm not going to change for anyone. That would actually be terrifying if it went from little boy voice to deep Shane voice. Where it's like, oh, nanny. It's like, actually, no, I'm fine. (laughs) It reminds me of the um, Michael has probably not gotten there. John, have you finished Sandman yet? Uh, Episode nine of eleven. Okay, have you have you seen the convention yet? No, I'm so fucking excited. Okay, all right. Well, uh, then I will I'll say save the joke for later. Not but yes. to be off topic though, but the bottle episode in the diner is exactly how I wanted it to go, and I didn't think they'd have the balls to go as hard as they did. So yeah, they certainly did. Very very happy with how this the series is going. Pun intended, because there's a lot of sex in that sequence. Oh my god, yes. All right, so. Uh, believe it or not, as I alluded to earlier, not all the ghosts in the Stanley are purported to be of the human variety. <gasps> Owing to the pet cemetery on the property, uh, the hotel owners buried their pets and, of course, pets of occasional guests from time to time. And subsequently, guests have reported seeing the ghosts of some of the animals wandering the property. Among them are a golden retriever named Cassie and a white cat named Comanche. Mm. And they have all been spotted throughout the grounds, including the hallways and the guest rooms. <laughs> are those names real? They are real, sadly. Why? I don't... I mean, maybe it was thought to be an Indian burial ground and hence Comanche. I don't know. Uh. Uh, how terribly off-color that comment. Anyway... <laughs> Myriad phenomena, not necessarily attributed to the aforementioned usual suspects, have been reported throughout the property. The sounds of party-goers, bygone celebrations, and children laughing, particularly on the fourth floor where the children and nannies once stayed, can often be heard. The hotel's preternatural afterlife is often palpable and has attracted professional skeptics and paranormal investigators alike. I'm going to return to my old haunt here, pun intended. The Travel Channel's Ghost Adventures and, of course, Sci-Fi's Ghost Hunters are two of the many teams that have investigated the occurrences. Most do claim to have heard voices and thumping and saw strange lights, but that happens at any hotel, uh, Mm, depending upon the time of the day. Bump me, Daddy. Uh, Thumpa wumpa. What? Tub thumping? <laughs> yeah. I get knocked I get down up. and I get up again. <laughs> Never gonna keep me down. <laughs> the, During the thumping. That's where the ghosts come into play. Uh, <laughs> so the ghost hunter's lead investigator, Jason Hawes, had a glass on his nightstand shatter not long after the closet door opened and closed. Metaphor. <gasps> Uh, i do like where we are now closed here and the lights have gone out in georgia so like i've been plunged into darkness as i said that like Uh this is gonna be fun in any event 
Who is it? Uh, a handful of the incidents can, of course, be attributed to breezes or issues with the piping and ventilation systems. It's also been suggested that a high concentration of quartz, limestone, and magnetite beneath the hotel affects either the property's energy or gravitational forces and or is conducive to residual hauntings or captured energy, Mr. Michael. <sighs> It hurts. It hurts. Gravitation. Why? I know. It's at about like 220 hertz right now from what I believe. But uh, yeah, uh, we're almost done, friends. I guarantee it. As bland as this whole recitation has been. I thought I was going to get more scintillating fare out of what inspired the Overlook. Oh, oh, I you thought you were talking about us. I'm like, I thought we've been doing pretty No, you're good, great. But... I was saying, like, these are some of the most blithely recited, like, horrible yeah. ghost stories. I was like, this is awful. So oh, then no, that one the time oh, I was no. making a cheese sandwich, and I I farted, but I, I swear to God it was a ghost. It couldn't it have been. It was Eddie. <laughs> Honestly, that doesn't sound too far afield from these other stories. I mean, it is literally what they said about Eddie. He's the stinky Uh-oh. man. Eddie Eddie just knocked over one of your uh, That's token. Shane. I, I, I don't know. Oh! He cut the cheese, it's a sign. as it's it were. A sign. That's that limited edition merch that no one deserves. Yeah, and I have that on a, a T-shirt as well, which is marvelous. Oh, I'm jealous. Yep, I get yep. to see my face on uh, Melissa's breasts. It's uh, del- absolutely delightful. I have a new kink. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. John's found a new kink. Nom, 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 nom. I feel like if you had to like put the list of my kinks on a sheet of paper since we've started this podcast it would be a king novel um, and shane motorboating <laughs> melissa is right at the top right next to Gil- gilfs <laughs> dorothea <laughs> I, I made some joke in the past two or three nights while we're watching <laughs> a show like i turned to beck and i was like and this is why shane won't fuck my mom anymore and i forgot that she doesn't <laughs> <laughs> like, so, I need to punctuate my wife, that. <laughs> my <true>. wife. Uh, <laughs> my wife. I can't make this shit. <laughs> just, <laughs> I, just the look on her face. I can't even. I, it's it's etched into my memory permanently. <laughs> He's gonna get it tattooed on his other arm. So, so Shane, for motherfuckers everywhere, we salute you. <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, when Negan finally beds Alpha out in the woods. It's uh, just, you talk too damn much. I don't understand the reference, but I do believe I get the point. <laughs> well, As did Alpha. It, it is so. Alpha. It, Alpha's an Alpha. Well, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Uh, um, and I'm the Alpha. You don't want to be an Omega. Oh, no. I have, I'm from Melmac. I eat cats. <laughs> I mean, pussy. Wait, no, sorry. You okay, we're way different. too slappy. Elf? We got to kill this thing. Uh, so, countless guests have further attested to eerie occurrences not easily discounted. Lights okay. turning off and on, doors opening and closing, laughter emanating from an empty room, phantom footsteps, shifting shadows, and inexplicable drafts and chills 
have cemented the Stanley's stature as one of the most haunted hotels in America. <laughs> now, I lifted that from someone's like hotels.com review, apparently, because, yeah, that's just common occurrences in almost every home on the planet, really. But Especially an older building. It's had electricity for... Mm-hmm. At least a century. Which was installed in the 1900s? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, although individual employees are hesitant about making any definitive statements on the subject of the supernatural inhabitants, there are many variations on the theme, we like the guests to make up their own mind. Oh, yeah, of course. We don't want them to stop paying. Uh, The Stanley does not shy away from its reputation as one of America's haunted hotels. But regardless of the reason for your stay, and allow me to channel a bit of the haunted house from Disney here, you're likely to have an otherworldly experience at the Stanley Hotel. And just like a cemetery or a horror story, folks are simply dying. To get in there. Yeah, I got a question. Did any of these fucking fuckers ever pop out of the walls and take a huge messy shit? <laughs> he's he's like, I've been list- I've been waiting this whole time. I wish. I just wanted some sort of fecal ghost. Please. Nope. Uh, big Nary fat one will come then. Yeah. Just a, just ghost. just smelly man. <laughs> and that, friends and dedicated listeners, is the bland and barely coherent tale of the Stanley Hotel. It's the wonder bread of ghost stories. Well, me Honestly. and my uh, fidget widget salute you. Bless you. I I, I will say it is a testament to the creativity <gasps> of yes. King. Would you two stop fiddling with your preciouses? Oh, man, my fidget cubes. Ooh, some ASMR here. My fork fingers. Ooh, my neurodivergent distraction. I mean, yeah. But. <laughs> allow me to Tarantino for a second. What the fuck was I talking about? You guys cut me off. Uh, so, a testament to Stephen King. And his genius is you can take something so bland and nonsensical as this hotel and turn it into the stuff of nightmares for people all across the country and nay the world at this point. What's the uh, if if you had to think about it super quick, Shane, the weirdest story idea that you've gotten, like in a similar kind of circumstance, like the smallest thing that bloomed into a story for you. You say that as though like I'm a published author a with just you know untold author. books, dozens. And I mean, dozens I thought it was worth throwing works. a dart at the board. I mean, <laughs> I I did write a short story called "Balloons Are for Parties, Not for My Privates," wherein I discuss an elderly individual's trip to the urologist based on my own experiences, and it was a delightful tale. When did you but, write this? Uh, when I was in college, so in 1892, I published this story, and Dude, uh, I was well ahead so of my far. time. Yeah, they weren't even talking about the sheepskin prophylactics back then, so I was ahead of the game. Well, so that you can have the sensation of not wearing a condom while wearing a condom. Mm. And see, the balloon I was referring to is the one they have to put in your urethra to give you an <laughs> yeah, unblockaded pathway. But man. Uh, wish I would have known you then. Sounds yeah. hot. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. 
<laughs> got rave reviews from Gary McCarthy, who is a published author who was uh, teaching me at the time. Okay. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. And he's an award winner. And so, that link is in the show notes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he likened me to a young Gene Shepherd. for those of you out there who enjoy Wanda Hickey's uh, Night of Golden Memories and other debacles. Yes. Good luck. All right, here we go. Excellent read. Anybody have some stabs for any of my nonsense before we get out of here? Um, the boy outside two seventeen. That seems too on the crying nose. for for the nanny. Yeah, that is true. That is a story that people have claimed. Again, I think it's largely influenced by King as opposed to something that predated the story. You are that's fair. The father. <laughs> Nanny? <laughs> Nanny? <laughs> I didn't even know I had naughty bits. My testicles hadn't dropped yet. <laughs> Not without my nanny coming oh, to no. lifetime. All right. Uh, John, no anything? <laughs> no. Oh, I'm not shocked. All right, moving on. So, Michael, congratulations. You did get the one lie that I wanted to throw as a layup here. That <laughs> The hair clipper. Was not uh, invented by Oscar Stan, a uh, freelance Oscar Stanley, though. Uh, I, he was very famed for the Stanley steam engine. I'm going to force you to look that up and do a little uh, history lesson there. Don't do Urban Dictionary, though. It's, it's not the where Stanley they steamer do. is not just something that gets wrinkles out of your clothes and your sharp a puppy. Not with that uh, attitude. No, you'll need new clothes after that. Especially if it's in Cleveland. But mm-hmm. uh, lie number two of the list of other famous dignitaries, Marie Curie is not one of them. I was going to I watched ask... your eyebrows go up, but you went to the emperor and empress of Japan instead, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was yeah. like, why would she be there? She's just a, she's a scientist. I mean, a badass scientist, yes. But... Badass. <laughs> she was dead at the time. Um she wasn't. I'm kidding. I, yeah, I, I was like, no, just... <laughs> All right. wait a minute. So um, line number three is I, I did a, a rousty to you here. Uh, the They did not detail any of the things which inhibited the hotel from making money. So all the stuff I added in is literally just lifted out of before the play. So the road needing constant maintenance, upkeep of the facilities, the landscaping bills, all of that stuff, the second well and the health room is all a paragraph directly lifted from before the play. All right. Well. Uh, And so uh, I also created the name Robert Rutherford and Merrill Lance and looked up a corporation from the time. So I don't even know what the hell the Belk Corporation is, to be candid. I was going to ask about the Belk Corporation, too. I was like, that sounds like some sort of evil organization. Mm -hmm. You were going to do it, it, but you didn't. Didn't. Mm -hmm. So it means absolutely fuck all. Yeah. And uh, right, to add to that uh, line number four, uh, they did not then sell to Crest Hotels in 1973. I just found a list of an active hotel at the time, and Crest sounded delightful. In fact, refreshing to the palate. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. 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 So that's line number four. Uh, now we move on to the less scintillating fair. <sighs> so, oh, no. Paul... As it stands, I was going to say was an underappreciated violinist, but I thought that would have definitely tipped the scales a little too far. 
So I went cellist instead, but that is a completely concocted. Here's what Paul is actually reported as. Uh, so as opposed to being a tormented, underappreciated cellist who took their own life, uh, and then, you know, causes things to flicker in the theater and knock over set dressings and things like this. Paul purportedly worked at the Stanley from 1995 to 2005, and he died of a heart attack while en route from the hotel to the hospital while he was suffering chest pains. Like you do. Okay. Known as a jack-of-all-trades, one of Paul's responsibilities was to enforce the hotel's 11 p.m. curfew. It's not uncommon to hear faint and ominous, get out, in the after hours. A construction worker sanding the floor just a few years ago believes Paul was brazen enough to physically nudge him to the door after feeling two arms pulling him back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I guess I got to give the a little bit of creativity <laughs> points to the get out. You know, it's closing time. Uh -huh. so it's closing can't go time. Home, can't say here exactly. <laughs> even better, but, like one of the things that they fame him for is that he even told the lady of the manor, Florence, to get out. I'm like, how? He was there in 1995. She'd been dead for almost you know 70 years at that point. I, yeah, yeah I, I just, yeah, I don't know. He's a time traveler. Added to a story. Makes it a little bit more interesting. And uh, speaking of making things more interesting, I had to do so with Lucy as well, because... Uh, Which one? So, the uh, purportedly a billiard girl who frequented the oh. Stanley who died in the locked room. That is all me making stuff up and making funnies. Hence the inclusion of Death by Misadventure, because I was delighting myself by making something ah. that was at least readable. For the course of yeah, this show. Shit. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah, the, the way that they list her in this is that, uh, it's just a young girl who saw some construction plans and they kicked her into the cold and she died. Or a girl in a hot pink dress, which was not a lie. I will send you the photograph. It's ridiculous. Okay. But yeah, so uh, it was not a billiard girl. And uh, I got billiard girl because I just watched Unforgiven while I was roasting in my home the other day. And uh, it specifically was uh, the, the brothel in that uh, film was called the, the Billiard House. And they didn't even gotcha. have the pool table. It was taken out because it had been burnt a few years back. <laughs> Oof. Wonderful joke. Clint Eastwood is a delight in that film if you haven't seen it. I haven't actually. I want to. I have I suddenly got on a weird kick to watch westerns so I watched 5 in the course of 2 days. I know it's not technically a western. It's not a western, but for some reason talking about westerns makes me want to finally uh rewatch No Country for Old Men. I mean it does have that feel. And it's there's a, kind of, a lot of the, the tropes there. Again, it, yeah. and I know I already mentioned it in the past, but I'd only watched it the one time and it was when I had a fever. So, mm -hmm. like, I remember liking it for the fact that it was a Coen brother and it felt familiar, but I couldn't mm -hmm. tell you a single fucking thing about it except that there's no <gasps> score. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, funnily enough, that, as I started, so I don't know if I told you this, but those were the six lies, so we can put the, the capper there. Yeah, those there were we all the, the lies for the episode. Uh, this was a really bland and rather boring recitation. I'm, I'm fascinated by the founding of the hotel. And, yes, and its origins. That was the best part. But yeah, the ghost stories are atrocious, and I hated Once them. Once the guy died, I 
it, it just went downhill from there. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, I got a wild hair the other day because I started thinking about this. I was just trapped in my house in, in the bedroom, and thankfully uh, that's owed to John allowing me to steal some of his uh, technology and utilize it to keep myself cool. I have the best vibrators in the country. Indeed. That would make me hot, though. Well, no, that's how good they are. Well, you're they don't hot. just make you hot and steamy. They cool you down. Yeah, at oh, the same it's got time. the BTUs to just radiate air. Oh, they yeah. call it the, mm-hmm. the KP effect because you're hot, then you're cold. You're yes, <laughs> then you're no. You know, you're in, then you're out. Uh, I'm out. Definitely. I, uh, I wanted to say I was up, but I'm definitely feeling down after that. Well, I yeah. kissed a girl and I liked it. Uh, same. Anyway, you're mm, saying that cherry chapstick. So. <laughs> cherry chap dick uh in any event <laughs> i uh started watching a bunch of christopher nolan movies that i hadn't watched in a mm. coon's age if you will and uh really fell in love with the prestige again dude that's such a good fucking movie really phenomenal movie and um, so i started oh Go ahead. sorry sorry this is this is related that's what I i'm saw, here for i saw a uh, a post on one of the movie subreddits that i follow on how they foreshadowed all of the character deaths, like as far as character relationships, the deaths mirror each other. Mm-hmm. And I'd never really paid attention to that because there are so many good plot lines that pay off in that movie that I just yeah. didn't really gather it. So. It's still like I, I'm always reduced to tears watching that film. It is a so constant, good. like it's very touching. So I started thinking, I was like, I think that N- Nolan actually moves up. Like I might even place him over Tarantino in my appreciation of directors. Yeah. And I adore huh. Tarantino, but I'm like, Nolan hasn't made a bad picture. Like, and so I started thinking about this and I was like, where would I start ranking this? And I was like, I have not listed my top 50 films in probably over a decade. I haven't even thought about it. And I was just like, this is a weird litmus test to see where I am. It's always fun for me to start like weighing things against one another. And I'm not going to run the whole list down here because that's just, it's a lot. That's extra yeah, content uh, we can discuss another time. That's uh, definitely an after dark bit of content we can discuss and everyone else can come up with theirs if you're inclined. But I <laughs> broached like, I it. 50? <laughs> Every Nicolas Cage movie ever. It's possible. He's over 60. Yeah. It, he definitely does. He's over 70. Uh, I have done the quiz. So, uh, No Country for Old Men is my favorite Coen Brothers picture and actually cracks oh. the top 10 of my favorite films. I will definitely give her a dedicated rewatch. I'm doing, um, not to get off topic from, from your ranking mm-hmm. which i am interested in and i will participate in that as well just given the criteria that you use too um ign i think got on an, an a24 kick or they mm-hmm. they had like a march like a march madness kind of bracket thing with a24 movies Ooh. so now there's like a quote-unquote definitive ranked list of best a24s like top 10 oh um or or maybe it's like top 12 or it's it's a collection. It's some number. It's yeah, enough. It's... it's enough to work on, and I love going, you know, top to bottom on those lists. Um, yeah, you... So yeah, yeah, you fucking do, you dirty little. You never lister. go top to bottom. You go front to back. Um, so I am going to start working my way through the list, and the first one to watch is a movie that I didn't like initially, but then the more that I think about the movie and like read about the movie, I like it. But I haven't rewatched it since the first time. 
and that's the lighthouse. Okay, Have you watched the lighthouse. I still haven't seen it. Same. I need. Maybe to. we should just all watch the lighthouse together. <laughs> I'm intrigued. <laughs> I can save it. I can save it for for a in person hang. I think that would be a blast. And also, I have a I, I have an idea now with like some isolated mics that you know if you wanted to do your uh, you know hit like you all... can't isolate mics. That's yeah. it's never a good idea. Oh, it's like hey, we're back in 2019. There's an isolated mic somewhere. We could we could <laughs> tease it, and if it works, it it does. And if it doesn't, no one's gonna fucking know. Uh, we could mystery theater it, you know, and have mm-hmm. mics in front of us and just I would and be talk. Down. You know. Although I that's, feel like uh, that's our Shane's viewing worst is a... nightmare. <laughs> No, I was going to say, I think our viewing of The Shining was a delight. I, I miss uh, all of the commentary that went on watching that ruining Courtney's first time. Yeah, I feel uh, like if you edited it, so like, c- considering you couldn't see the screen anyway as a as an you know, audio medium, like, mm-hmm. I feel like if you just had the, your hot takes and someone had seen The Lighthouse and listened, it'd be fun, probably, maybe. I mean, they used to do this all the time. I think they called them uh, riff tracks. and or, Yes, or, riff tracks. Yeah. That's how they would, mm-hmm, they would just record it separately from the actual audio uh-huh. and then they would sell the audio and they would have a um they had a um what was his name this this something or other it would be a robot that would just like mm. read a line from the script so that everything was lined up yes so you, were so you could sing reactions immediately. and it's basically like just a mobile director's commentary or some other commentary that floats along yeah. with the film yeah for the... it was it was actually by the people that did mystery science theater 3000 mm-hmm. the first cast I think. Interesting. Yes. So. so I said they, but uh, yeah. In any event, it's vagaries. So, <laughs> um, uh, apropos though of a twenty four, Ex Machina is still in play mm. in the top five with so. good reason. Where's yes. uh, Where's Sicario? Uh Sicario is really, really number twenty. Okay. It's it's in the it's in contention, which is very strange. I okay, one I more look question. forward to doing this. Okay, one more question, then I'm going to let it lie, and mm-hmm. then when we wrap up, you're going to send me the criteria so I can start plucking away. Because uh, I feel like you, you have a criteria for how you list to a degree, but a large. I, I mean, it's it's largely it's purely taste like subjective. It's okay. it's what the movie means to you. So don't do it based on its intrinsic worth as art. Because if the film is more popular, I could care less. There yeah. are films on here that are obviously it's just because I adore it. Like, uh, let's uh, the Fifth Element is on here for me. Oh yeah. Uh, um, it, I so mean, my, I would my argue question that, that has intrinsic value on its own. But anyway, my yes, question. But it's the not point. like but the award-winning then, film. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say that uh, you, that already sets the criteria. Yes. Like. You're not. You're basing it purely off of your own enjoyment of the film. As evidenced, Predator is on here. Fantastic. <laughs> I was to going to ask you to. Te- I was going to ask you to tease what your number ten pick is. Oh, for for any particular reason, or no, just because it's far. It's far enough just away a random from number? one. But like, it's your top ten. I feel like top ten mm-hmm. is a you know pretty revered. Like that's a pretty accepted. Yeah, uh, quantity. It's a spoiler, but you're not so spoiling like, too much. I feel much. like if I, yeah, I feel like if you see what ten is, there's more mystery for the following. You know. Okay, you're not wrong. Uh, I, can, I can get behind that. Coming in at number ten on the list, uh, hot stacks of wax amounts of sounds uh, designed in mind to please your signs. I don't know. Uh, in any event. <laughs> It's Inglorious Bastards by Quentin Tarantino. Ooh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I think this would be a lot of fun. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
it's yeah. So just uh, it is purely banked on how it impacted you. Whether my primary thing, what I was telling Melissa is the stuff that I routinely go back to watch. So obviously if it's something I love enough that I've like seven, I have seen an ungodly amount of times. It's ridiculous. And so when I start measuring things that I go back to is like going home of something that I put on when I'm not feeling well or something that I want when I want to feel better. If I'm just, you know, that nostalgia tinge, then that's what I was running with. And then you have to measure them against each other, which is really rough. But uh, I noticed a lot of stuff from the the same directors. So my top five directors are definitely very well represented over the course of this list. I would expect that too. Yeah. So uh, there's a fun tease for some upcoming YouTube content. We'll have a very lengthy discussion about that. But uh, anything else we want to kick for the good of the audience here before we get out of here? No, don't forget to wash your willy. (laughs) Nelson? (laughs) 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 On the road again. All right. Just can't wait to chafe on my balls again. Uh, I found love is making chafing with your friends. I do enjoy chafing friends from time to time. You're tearing me apart. Chafing with your friends, not chafing your friends. I mean, same deal. Difference. Oh, well. Yeah. I guess. Spread them. So, uh, as per usual, we thank you all for listening and for enduring what was a very slapstick, uh, slapdash, and thrown-together installment here. Uh, But if you're enjoying the experience, of course, you can let us know. You can, of course, subscribe, which is very recommended here. It's the only way that you can keep up with this insanity. And uh, be sure that you get the downloads. And, of course, rate and review. We would love to hear from you. There is a link in the show notes, which is going to take you to all of our relevant socials. It's our link tree, in fact. Uh, In addition to the sources, you can see all of the ridiculous pictures here. Of course, we are on the tubes of you every wonderful Wednesday with our disinformed after dark that you can check out uh we've got random tiktoks and of course michael's shorts constantly billowing on the tubes of you but uh, i believe that is going to officially wrap this thing up like a body bag being dragged out of the stanley hotel Put in a body bag Thank you, Johnny. Sweep the leg. So, for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane. I'm John. And I'm Michael. And I've been Courtney. (laughs) And zippity zoop, we're out of here. Put your nipples away. No. Not gonna.